Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is April 7th. I'm David Gasper, joined by Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. Well, it's been an eventful first week of the brewer season, uh, so there's a lot to talk about. No guests this week, so it's just going to be Matt and I here uh, to hopefully give you some excitement and entertainment here talking about the Brewers. And Matt, you know, we're recording here April 7th. Today is National Beer Day. Um, Yeah, and the Brewers, uh, they kind of forced us to drink some trying to watch the end of that game here on Wednesday, but... But yes, you've got the classic Miller Lite in a bottle over there. Yes, I do. This is actually the first episode that I've brought good old Miller Lite. I know that is your go-to, um, but I decided to join in on the fun. And on National Beer Day, it only makes sense. A national, it's perfect, you know? And mm-hmm. this is my, uh, how many episodes have we done? Uh, <laughs> are, we, are we up to 40? Uh, no, I think we're at like 33, something like that. Uh-oh. This is my 33rd Miller Lite. <laughs> Actually, no, the, the one time I did have a... Uh, um, oh, that was the Keeper Moving, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I had the Keeper Moving there. That's right. Um, but every other time, it's been uh, your Miller Lite. So, yeah, National Beer Day here on the Cold Brew Podcast. Got to celebrate accordingly. Cheers to that. Oh, so, a lot to talk about. A lot happened this past week. So, Matt, I'm not sure where you were, um, but... The other day, the Orlando Arcia trade happened. Uh, this was really kind of seemingly out of the blue uh, for pretty much everybody. Uh, no one was really kind of expecting this to happen in early April. Um, so, uh, Matt, where, where were you when when you heard the news uh, of Arcia getting traded and, and saw the tweets coming in? And what was your initial reaction to it? I was at work, uh, luckily on break. The timing actually worked out perfectly. Oh. Just to scroll in Twitter, and it, it was crazy because it was that series of tweets that all just happened all at once. Uh, the first one that the Brewers are in talks to trade him, and I thought, oh man, I got to find my buddy Greg at work and let him <laughs> know about this. And before I even had the chance, it was Brewers have secured a trade. I was like, wait, what? And then, like, seconds later, it was Brewers of a Secured Trade, and it's with the Braves. I'm like, what is happening? Everything <laughs> just escalated so quickly. And it really got out of hand fast. It really did. Uh, I, David Stearns had a trident. <laughs> That's probably you, Anchorman. I've been meaning to talk to him about that. You should probably lay low for a while. <laughs> oh, Anyway. Yeah, that was uh, so. I was there and just kind of soaking in the news as quickly as it could come through, and that was a shocker. I mean, obviously we're not used to trades at this time of the year, and so to just be blindsided with that, when you know it's not like he was a completely crazy trade candidate, but um, right. I, I don't think anyone expects that four games into the season. So it shocked all of us, um, and then it was just kind of you know, waiting for all the details to come out after that. How about you? Oh, yeah. So, okay, so that was that was um, crazy enough. And, yeah, the details took a while to, to come in. So, for me, because um, this happened on Tuesday, and Tuesday, you know, there was a, there was a spring election uh, here in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I was, I was out voting. Um, and, I, you know, like, okay, got done voting, went back in my car, you know, checked my phone for a little bit, whatever. And between driving from City Hall back to my house, <laughs> all this happened. Like, I, I get home, I pull in the driveway, and then all of a sudden I just I feel my phone just continually vibrating in, in the cup holder there. And then, you know, I look at it and I see in the group chat there, and it's like, you sent a couple of tweets, and someone's like, slow down, what is happening? Like, I look in, like, <laughs> I see all this, I'm like, oh, my God. So, like, I literally sprint into the house, and I'm just like, Damn it, David Stearns, why are you doing this now? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, yeah, just sprinting in being like, okay, what is going on? Okay, we're trading Arcia. And then, because that was like, that was in between, like, okay, he's been traded, destination unknown from Robert Murray. And then after I got home, 
um, like a minute or so later, it's like, oh, it's going to the Braves. So just kind of the the timing there was very interesting. Uh, but yeah, so that was something I was not expecting. I remember the day before Fernando Tatis went down with a shoulder injury. So I'm like, mm-hmm. could it be San Diego right. um, trying to get an immediate replacement? But then it's also like, they also have plenty of shortstops there behind Tatis that they don't really need him. But yeah, it ends up being to the Braves uh, for two pitchers. And we were sitting on the two pitchers for a while trying to figure out their mm-hmm. names. And, you know, everyone's trying to be like, oh, Max Fried, Oh, Mike Soroka. Oh, <laughs> Ian Anderson. And no, uh, not Max quite. Uh, the Brewers get Patrick Weigel and Chad Sabatka. So two... Uh, very fun last names uh, with those two guys. And, I mean, interesting arms, uh, I guess. Uh, Chad Sabaka has been a reliever for the Braves uh, for the past couple of years going up and down. He's six foot seven. Uh, I like yep. that. He throws gas about 98 miles an hour. Uh, but he has no command, really. He walks a lot. Uh, he, he misses the strike zone a lot. Uh, and really, Sabaka just kind of reminds me of Ray Black, but mm-hmm. not quite as good, but still has a minor league option remaining. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know I, when I heard he was one of the guys we got back, I recognized the name. Um, interesting. You know, we know that pitching depth is going to be huge for a lot of teams this year, including the Brewers. We know how the Brewers like to work with, you know, their reliever shuttle between, the majors and the minors. And so with these two guys, you know, joining the 40 man right away, um, both having options, you know, that really just adds to a perfect scenario for the brewers in that they now have more interchangeable parts um, between, you know, adding these two guys to the mix. Um, it's a, we talked about it a little bit. I thought uh, in the last episode about how after these first few weeks in April, the brewers go on a 17 game stretch, 17 day stretch where it's all consecutive games, no mm-hmm. days off. So they're going to need a lot of pitchers to pull from. And that's that's just one stretch we're talking about here. Um, so I think it's a smart move. We'd talked in the past about how, you know, the Brewers have a lot of shortstop depth. They now had Urias and Arcia, both as shortstops. Obviously, Arcia was getting some work there at third. But with those two, as well as shortstop depth in the minors, um, you know, it was dealing from a position of extreme depth for the team. And so it, it all made a ton of sense um, for Milwaukee. Um, I am interested in this uh, Patrick uh, Weigel or Weigel. Um, he slots in. I don't know if everyone noticed. He slots in now as our 17th ranked prospect mm-hmm. on the Brewers top 30. He was number 12 for the Braves. Um, comes into us as number 17. Another tall guy, 6'6", 240. I'm trying to remember. I don't know if it was uh, Woodruff who had said uh, that it's like we got a couple of right-handed Perdomos here. Oh, from the I, I have not seen that. Both. Someone, I can't remember uh, where the quote came from. I th- thought McAlvey posted it. But, uh, yeah, they're both tall dudes. Um, this guy, uh, his fastball is his big pitch. He can touch upper 90s with it. Um, he's got 50 grades or higher on the slider, curveball, and changeup. Um, but he also has not the greatest control in the world. Um, did have a season that he missed due to Tommy John and the Brewers have done mm-hmm. well with some of those Tommy John comebacks. Um, obviously our most well-known couple recently are, um, Justin Topa and Drew Rasmussen, but those aren't right. the only guys in the organization that that's happened with. So I feel like they're taking another chance on a guy here and he's back and pitching now. So, you know, he's past that, but the Brewers see things they can work with, with those types of pitchers. And I, I'm curious if they see, you know, some more potential here, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested in uh, that guy. Yeah. Weigel, I think is the best part of that return for Orlando RCS. Sabatka, I'm really not super excited about, but Weigel, mm-hmm. I mean, he was really kind of a, a, a big prospect before his Tommy John surgery, you know, shooting up through the Braves minor league system. Um, and then, yeah, he had the injury and it's kind of slowed him down and, um, now they got, I mean, they got a pretty deep staff down in there in, in Atlanta. So a bit tougher for him to crack. And Weigel could potentially uh, be a back end starter down the road, but it's mm-hmm. more likely that he ends up in the bullpen going forward. Um, so 
yeah, he was a number 12 prospect in the Braves system, which is like, huh, did, did the Brewers have a better system than the Braves now? Yeah. You right? know, that, that, that seems a little weird, but mm. although I think the Braves have better um, top end prospects and it just kind of drops mm. down a little bit afterwards. Um, but either way, uh, a couple of arms there for Orlando Arcia. And really, uh, looking at the reaction on Twitter and, you know, the love that Brewers fans had for Arcia, which which was real. I mean, he was the big part of, you know, the, the, the core piece of this second um, of this rebuild here that the Brewers went through under mm-hmm. the, the David Stearns era, even though Arcia was signed by Melvin um, 12 years ago. You know, he's someone that's been around the organization for a while. He was the big, big prospect coming up in that group. And he was supposed to be the one to, you know, help lead the Brewers back into contention. And, I mean, he's played a big role on the Brewers for several years. But he hasn't been able to perform consistently. um, And that put his job at shortstop in jeopardy. And that's when Luis Urias came in. And, you know, he he lost a job and Mm -hmm. since he lost a job, it's kind of time for him to look at a different opportunity because it's unlikely that he would have been able to get that job back given the playing time that he was going to have to work with. So, you know, just the love that people had for him and what a lot of people, I think, expected back for him. I think people are going to be disappointed in, in this return and it might not be anything to do with. Weigel and Sabatka and, and, you know, nothing that they may ever do wrong, even if they both turn out as solid relievers um, for a little bit. I think people are still just going to be disappointed because they're not Orlando Arcia. They're, they're not as fun as Orlando Arcia. I mean, I don't know these guys' personalities. They might be, but it's, it's unlikely that they're going to uh, get the same kind of, you know, love and affection from Brewers fans that Orlando Arcia had. Yeah. I mean, the part that people are going to miss, obviously, the personality. That's that's a, you know, big, fun-loving, you know, smile mm-hmm. to miss from that dugout now. Um, so between that and his kind of former number one prospect status, you know, I think that those are two big things that, you know, first come to mind when fans now think of him. But let's not pretend like Orlando Arcia was anywhere close to living up to that number one prospect billing. Mm-hmm. His last year, his most consistent year that he's had was still an average year by MLB shortstop standards. And it was below average just, offensively. It was, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yes, it was just a little bit below. That 95 OPS plus is what he had. So just just a hair yeah. below. Um, it, it, he just never quite fulfilled that. And those were lofty expectations. I, I mm-hmm. think uh, either Stearns or Council said as much recently and you know he did as good a job as you know any young player does at you know trying to live up to those um but he had kind of his years to be able to do that it never quite worked out very very good defense with below average offense and the team was at a point now where they had depth at that position behind him that you knew what you had with Arcia and they had a chance to move him onto a team that was willing to kind of take him in um, and use him for depth for their team, which is what Lana said that they're, they kind of, you know, view him as. So, um, I mean, I'm sad to not see him around as well. And it does feel like every year there's now like one of these kind of personalities that ends up leaving the dugout that kind of makes us sad as fans. You know, you've had your Hernan Perez's who've moved on and your Jesus Aguilar's who've mm-hmm. moved on. And that hurts because, you know, part of watching baseball is, you know, enjoying the team and the players on that team, and the personalities on that team. And those three definitely made it fun to watch mm-hmm. the Brewers. But um, let's not forget that we do still have a lot of fun loving personalities on that team. We've still got Locaine. Um, yes. Travis Shaw returning to this team, I think, um, is a great uh, personality to have in that dugout i think dan vogelbach is as well vogelbach i always say that last part wrong and conditioned <laughs> i feel like um you know they're gonna get by just by, and then colton wong i think he has been an outstanding guy to have around that team um they're gonna do just fine uh, it's not like some crazy chemistry explosion is gonna happen here but 
Yeah, it won't quite be the same without uh, Orlando Arcia in the background of TV interviews, throwing sunflower seeds and gum and stuff yeah. like that. Like those are the types of things we're all going to miss as fans. Yeah, and running the end of the gauntlet too, being running the mm-hmm. anchor of that gauntlet and. Yeah, that 2017 team where, where they created the gauntlet and, and Arcia being there and all those guys, man, that 2017 uh, Brewers team was so much fun. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you could have more fun than, than those guys did that year. And yeah, it, it hurts losing them for sure. But I mean, you know, e- even for a guy like Stearns, it's, you know, he's even saying like, it's, it's tough emotionally to to trade a guy like that, who you know has been a huge part of your organization, who you know is a fan favorite, who you know is just a great personality and a great uh, energy giver in the clubhouse, as Craig Council put it. You know, losing those guys, it, it's tough on Stearns, you know, emotionally knowing that he has to trade that guy away. But he also, at the same time, has to do what he feels is in the best interest of the team going forward and, and what's in the best interest of the roster. And that was the, the decision that uh, had to be made, and and Stearns made it. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's tough on him, and, and it's tough to do, but you got to do it. And and that's been Stearns' approach, and, you know, it, it's worked out well for him so far, I'd say. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it, it's disappointing as, as a fan to see someone like that go, but at the same time, like like you said, you know what you have in Arcia. He's, right. He's a below average offensive shortstop and his defense wasn't doing super great either recently, according to a lot of mm-hmm. metrics. So, you know, you got to give Luis Urias the shot and now it's his time. The mm-hmm. spotlight is firmly on Luis Urias. He is a starting shortstop. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, how it's probably his job, but RC was still there. So he was still going to be getting some playing time, but now it's all Urias. Daniel Robertson is not going to be pushing Urias for starts. Um, no one else in in that infield is going to be pushing Urias for starts at shortstop at the moment. It is it is all him. As long as he's healthy, he's going to be starting at shortstop. So uh, I put an article up on the site uh, here on Wednesday. It's sink or swim time for Luis Urias. He's this is his fourth season now in the big leagues. He had. Uh, a little bit of a cup of coffee in 2018, uh, had a little bit of a bigger sample size in 2019, but still kind of inconsistent playing time, only 71 games. Uh, and then 2020, uh, he had, you know, the, the COVID shortened season um, and, and he only played in about 40 games because he was waiting to come back from that. So uh, 2021 here is going to be his fourth season. He hasn't proven a lot offensively. But you still don't fully know what you have in him. And now the Brewers are going to have 162 games to find out what they have in Luis Urias. Right. We've talked in the past about how, you know, he's really needed to, after all these setbacks, just get some consistent playing time to really show what he can do. Um, And now he's going to get that. And, yep, he's had a slow start to the season, but so have a lot of uh, Brewers, let's be honest. He was on fire to end spring, which is probably what kind of helped force the Brewers hand a little bit here earlier, uh, early on in the season. Uh, They kind of thought that, you know what, maybe this is the time because the way he finished out the spring, he ended with a 314 average um, after a slow start to spring as well. The fact that he ended at a 314 average and a 971 OPS, um, which was sixth on the team for anyone who had a significant amount of at-bats. the average was, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you know, he, he showed that he can do that. And he even showed in, in flashes last season that he could do that to the point where I believe it was you who had put out an article last season saying he deserves to be the everyday starting shortstop at this mm-hmm. point. Um, and then he went through that slump at the end, but he has shown those flashes. He has shown in the minor leagues, you know, that he can put together a run of solid offensive performance, not going to hit 30 home runs or, you know, anything crazy no. like that. He doesn't need to do that. All he needs to do is, you know, get hits and get on base. Um, and he's had stretches where he does that. Um, hopefully the fact that, you know, the job is now officially his. Like you said, uh, I'm pretty sure Daniel Robertson's the only guy on the active roster who can even play shortstop right now. Um, yeah. So and he's again, 
spot starts at the most he's going to get. So yeah. it's Urias, like it's his job. And so maybe that little bit of pressure being let off of him by the fact that like, Hey, it's yours now, just do your thing. You know, maybe that'll let him loosen up a little bit and uh, kind of get things going. But um, we've seen these little bits that show that, you know, he can do it. He's just got to put it together for an extended period of time in the regular season. Yeah. And it's, you know, been slow going to start, like, like you said, with a lot of people. Um, and yeah, it'd be nice if he could, you know, get out of the gate hot here and, you know, prove to everyone. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, this is why I had this job. So I've seen a lot of people that are like, oh, they're forcing Urias down our throat. They're forcing him into the job because they don't want to look bad. And that's not it at all. I mean, Urias has, has certainly earned it. I mean, he had the strong spring training, as you mentioned there, Matt. Um, you know, he played pretty well last year. He had a little bit of a slump at the end, but, you know, he's a very gifted defender out there at shortstop and he mm-hmm. has, uh, he has shown the offense that that's necessary. So he's earned the job and, you know, the Brewers need to see what they have in him and, and need to give him the opportunity. He's 23 years old. Yeah. You know, he, he's far younger than Arcia. Arcia has had four to five years. He, he, he's had five years. This is going on his sixth season in the big leagues. He's had all this time to prove that he could be the everyday starting shortstop. And the Brewers have given him more than enough chances to prove that. And he hasn't been able to. He hasn't been able to, to step up and and put forward the numbers that are necessary. And yeah, he did better last year, but it, it was a small step forward. It wasn't large enough to to get him that job. So, you know, it goes to Urias. And if Urias does well, then the Brewers have a great shortstop going forward. And he can, you know, prove to be a good hitter, can hit, you know, 280, 290, 300, you know, wh- whatever uh, he hits this year. And then you can have him going forward for the next several years. And if not, you got Bryce Terang that's getting close right. to the big leagues. I mean, he had a he had a strong spring training himself, Terang, and he's going to start the year in Double A most likely, and he could be in Triple A by the end of the year. And starting in 2022, he could be ready for the big league starting shortstop job. He he could be. You know, he we could see him in September maybe with, with expanded rosters. Um, he could play his way into that kind of a role. Who knows? So with uh, Terang, that's a year away, you have to see what you have in Urias now because mm-hmm. you're not going to go to Terang until you feel you have a full evaluation of Urias because you already have him up there and you don't want to move on from him, especially after the trade that you made. Right. Uh, you, you don't want to move on from him without fully giving him a shot at the shortstop job. So he's going to get the shot and how he does this year will determine what the Brewers do going forward. Yeah, that dang trade, that is really what sticks in the mind of so many Brewers fans uh, when it comes to Arias. He's going to have to really produce for, you know, some of the more, I guess, bullheaded, we'll put it, uh, (laughs) Brewers fans to accept that that was a good move. And you still have the Eric Lauer aspect of that whole trade yeah. as well um but it he is it right now for so many brewers fans he is living in the shadow of trent grisham and you know it, whether that's right or wrong we won't know until the brewers again like you said give him a shot if they don't give him a shot we will never know if that was the right trade to have made mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's just another factor. It's not why they are, they're not forcing him because they want him to live up to Trent Grisham. Like I'm I'm sure Council and Stearns aren't in here in a room saying, we need to know which one of these players is better. Like, no, that's not why, but you have him now and you, you need to use him. You traded for him for a reason. They've said that multiple times. Yeah, and and it's not like Arcia was a world beater over there. Like you know, Arcia struggled in spring training uh, mm-hmm. offensively. He struggled uh, a little bit learning the new position. And you know, like I said last like last year, Arcia, yeah, he made some strides, but he still wasn't good enough offensively to lock down the job for himself uh, mm-hmm. and keep it going forward. So you know, it, it's really kind of that they had. No choice to, but but to go to Urias with that. And, you know, I was a little bit surprised that they didn't have more of a 
that they didn't frame it as more of a battle in spring training, that, that they kind of had it for Urias pretty much from the get-go. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's I think it was a, a solid evaluation, solid decision that for them to go with, and it, it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, we'll see what we have with Urias. Time will tell with him uh, as the season goes along. I think he's going to hit. Uh, I, I think he's been a, a good hitter all throughout the minor leagues, and I think with consistent at-bats, uh, he will prove that he's a good hitter. And, yeah, then, then you got, you know, Terang, if not. And, you know, if by the middle of the year you realize that Urias isn't getting it done um, and Terang's not ready yet, trade for Trevor Story. Why not? Uh, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. That, you know, we might be able to get him for a six-pack of Miller Lite and a ham sandwich from uh, the Colorado Rockies at this rate, considering what they gave up Arenado for. Yeah. You know, to to beat out the other teams, we might have to throw in a six pack of spotted cow just to just to be sure. That's true. I think Stearns would be willing to make the upgrade. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be. Uh, I, I think it's going to be fun to see Urias over there at short this year. Uh, moving to the mound now. Uh, when we talked last week with uh, Jeff Levering. I uh, went through my bold predictions for the season, and one of them was that the Brewers would throw a no-hitter at some point this season. Well, the, yep. in six games, the Brewers have flirted with no-hitters uh, a couple of times already. Corbin Burns had a no-hitter through six innings, uh, six and a third, I think, uh, against the Minnesota Twins. And then Brandon Woodruff had a no-hitter through six against the Cubs. Freddie Peralta and the bullpen combined for a one-hitter against the Cubs. And uh, things are things are looking pretty good with that pitching staff there, Matt. That bold prediction uh, doesn't look too bold now all of a sudden. No, it's uh, yeah, looking pretty, pretty, pretty decent. And I think uh, a lot of us who read that, obviously our minds first went to Woodruff and Burns, you know, the right. one-two punch. Um, but, yeah, Fred, man, did Freddie – look good for a long time there. I know he was working his pitch count up, but, uh, you know, you you hit the right game and you keep the pitch count under control and, you know, things can happen. Yeah, yeah, it's – I think it could happen. I think it could happen. Um, The only – obviously, the biggest hurdle to that is pitch counts. And today Mm -hmm. in Woodruff's start, you saw him throw 74 pitches and get pulled which 74 pitches through seven innings, most other days, that is going to be a great pace to oh, give yeah. you a chance for a no-hitter. Now, I know you've given up. And a complete game. Point, but correct, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we we would take that as fans. We haven't seen one of those since 2017, let alone a shutout or a no-hitter, you know, yeah. any of that. Um, but I thought it was interesting uh, that after the game, Woodruff had mentioned you know, that he was running out of gas a little bit there. On 74 pitches, Woodruff, who, mm-hmm. uh, as I looked it up, had not thrown uh, less than 85 pitches in any of the 13 starts last year. Um, he only threw lower than 80 pitches um, three times back in 2019, and that was at the end of the season when he got hurt. Um, he threw less than 80 in that final start before he went on the injured list and then into very brief starts to end the season before the wild card game against the nationals. Um, so this is a guy who can go the distance, but you know, there was talk going into the season about how pitch counts were going to be low because mm-hmm. we were coming off a shortened COVID shortened season. Yep. Um, you know, these starting pitchers were going to have to work their stamina back up in a way that they've never had to in any season of their careers. And so we kind of really saw the first example of that today when a 74 pitch outing was, you know, a little bit too much. And so is that going to last the entire season? No, I definitely don't think so. So there will be games where Woodruff is on this pace and he is baffling hitters as much as he did the Cubs hitters today. You know, he's going to have a chance at that. And then, of course, your boy Burns. I mean, yeah. we know how he dazzles. So he he's going to have a you know a game or two out there as well where you know he's going to run up again into the fifth or sixth inning, um, and you know you're going to see that little no hitter pop up at the top of the 
MLB app as an alert. Um, and we're going to be, you know, watching as fans, wondering if they can do it. If there's been any season outside of maybe when we've had, you know, Sheets or Sabathia, those, you know, kind of workhorse type guys, mm-hmm. where we've had a collection of pitchers who have the chance to get this done, this has been as good a season as any. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- this group that they have, especially with the defense behind them with Wong and Kane and Bradley mm-hmm. and, and all those guys, um, it, it's just they, they have such a good shot at it this year. Um, and that's something I was kind of talking about there in the in the bold predictions last week and in, uh, in my article about it. But, yeah, I mean, with what they've shown, I mean, Burns was just electric. The, the mm-hmm. stuff that he was showing in his outing and he had a dueling no hitter there with Barrios. And that was just so much fun to watch. Pitching Ninja couldn't even keep up with all <laughs> of that. Like he was, he was putting, he was putting the videos back out as fast as they were coming in. I mean, it was, it was nuts uh, just watching that game and just the stuff, the movement uh, that, that Burns had. And you know, yeah, he gave up the home run on the cutter, low and away, and you know, Council pulled him after that, and you know, Council pulled. Uh, Woodruff after you know seven innings after he gave up the after he lost the no no um, I feel like that's that's gonna be a theme with Council like as long as you're keeping that no hitter you know fine he might leave you in there but if you lose it you're done like he's not gonna be stick like sticking with you at after the sixth seventh eighth inning once you've lost that no hitter you know uh, as you mentioned there it's gonna be the lower pitch count coming off the shortened season they're trying to ramp everybody back up you know if this were July and these guys have been in a groove that's one thing but Early April, I don't think Council is going to want to push it, and I think that's a good call for him, a good call for the Brewers. And you know, he warned us about this, you know, going in that that everything would be lower. So, you know, I'm fine with it. Um, and you know, he pulled him and, and brought in Devin Williams, and really, it's hard to argue with the logic there. Sure, Williams gave up the home run and it tied the game, but. You know, I still think the call was good, even though the pitch execution that Williams had on that one wasn't as great. But it happens. It's baseball. Uh, So at least the no-hitter was already lost at that point. And, you know, especially with that, uh, the one with Burns there where they had the combined no-nos or the dueling no-nos, the Brewers' offense has been uh, faced with uh, issues getting their own hits as well, as much as their pitchers have... Uh, made other teams have have issues getting hit. So uh, the Brewers were no hit there through about seven and a third or so or, um, against the Twins there with Barrios having a – they had a combined no-no for a little bit longer until uh, Omar Narvaez saved us from that. Um, and then Trevor Williams had a no-no for a little bit uh, against the Brewers. So the offense, um, I've seen a lot of people asking for – or not asking for, demanding – Andy Haynes be fired <laughs> already, but uh, it's a little little early for that. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's settle down, everyone. Take a deep breath. R E L A S. There it is. There Relax. it is. From the Jeopardy host himself. <laughs> oh um, man. It yes. The obviously the offense has been slow to start, and the those worries go back to the 2020 season. Um, this team was on fire in spring training, though. They were one of the better offensive teams in spring training. Obviously, spring training doesn't mean everything and sometimes can mean nothing. Um, but it showed that that offensive potential is in there somewhere. And look at, you know, some of these pitchers that the Brewers went up against in these first two series from Maeda to Barrios to Trevor Trevor Williams, who, you know, yes, he's had his issues the last couple of years, but he's been a good pitcher in the past and has had good games against the Brewers in the past. Um, it's not like, you know, we're going up against no names here on the mound. So, you know, you have to throw that. And then Hendricks today, who, has, you know, has had his way with the Brewers in the past. Um, with everyone, and really. Is their, he's a good right, pitcher. It, yeah, he's their number one guy for a reason, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, part of that reason is because Darvish is gone, but whatever. <laughs> he's their number one guy for a reason. Um, so, you know, you run into good pitching, and also, you know, games happen. Um, and sometimes there's a slow start. To, there's any number of things. But no, you don't fire your hitting coach six games into the season. Come on. And I thought it was pretty amazing that Kane, 
through a shout out, um, apparently unprompted, according to Will Salmon of The Athletic, um, just through a uh, shout out to um, Haynes as well as uh, Cruz, correct? Um, yeah. Yep. Jacob Cruz. Yeah. So, you know, they, the guys there, you know, appreciate their hitting coaches and, and, you know, if they have chemistry with them, Council and Stearns obviously aren't going to just kick them to the curb. So, yes, we've got some things to work through, but you know what? We're three and three. So, you know, obviously it's could not the end of the world right now. It very much could be worse. Um, yeah. Some of those games took a little extra effort to get through. Um, yeah. But here we are. Things will be fine. I mean, we've got play- some players who weren't performing last year who are performing this year. So, you know, there's some turnarounds that can happen. They've already started to happen. So just just. Just give it a little bit. Things will balance out. We're going to be just fine. Yeah. Let's have a minute of appreciation here for Lorenzo Cain, by the way. Yes. Two home runs on the back leg uh, for (laughs) for the Brewers to to win this uh, matinee here against the Cubs. And, God, like it's he, he missed the past couple of games with a little bit of an oblique issue. And he just comes back, hits two big homers. Uh, he's the first player in Brewers franchise history to hit two go-ahead home runs in the eighth inning or later in the same game. Yep. So and also his first multi-homer game as for his Brewers career. Incredible. Yep. Mo- so here we're just you know in a little little minute of appreciation for Lorenzo Cain, Gold Glove winner, uh, fantastic dude. One of the best smiles in all of baseball, although Freddie Peralta is pretty close also. <laughs> True. Um, one of the great all-around guys. Um, Lorenzo Cain, full appreciation for you. Good, sir. Um, yeah, cheers to you. We raise our Miller Lights. On National Beer Day. Cheers to that. Um, someone who uh, could use a little bit of the, the low cane magic at the plate right now is Keston Hira. Uh, mm-hmm. It has been ugly to start the season, to say the least. And I wrote an article a couple of days ago how we shouldn't be worrying about Keston Hira yet. And that was like three or four games in. Uh, and now we're six games in. He is 0 for 19 to start the season with 10 strikeouts. Fangraphs already has him at a, at a negative 0.3 war. <laughs> they have four games on the books for him. Negative 0.3 war on fan graphs. And the, I'm, it's getting a little dangerous now, I, I think, for Kesson here. Because, you know, when it's just three games, like, okay, it's a bad series. Um, you know, just kind of starting the season. It's whatever. Not really that concerned. But now it's continued for the next couple of games. And he is hitless through 19 at-bats, 20 plate appearances. He does have one walk. Um, and he's striking out over half the time. And this this can get very dangerous mentally very fast. Mm-hmm. Because when you go that long without a hit to start the season, it, it can wear on you. You can start to press at the play. You can start to worry. You can start to panic. And it can lead to a very bad mental downward spiral that is very difficult to get out of. We saw Travis Shaw go through that in 2019 when he had a rough start to the season. And now Hira has a, has a rough start himself. He hasn't seen one hit go through. And mentally, especially for a young player like Hira, that can get very dangerous. That, that can get in your head very quickly. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that, you know, his little day off yesterday would kind of, you know, allow him to reset things a little bit, take a deep Mm -hmm. breath and, you know, step back in and kind of do some things. And (laughs) no, uh, not so much. Um, It's it's hard to want to say, you know, don't panic after, you know, three games and then start panicking after six games. Right. So it's still a very small sample size. But yeah, I mean, that's a that's a very long stretch to go. Without a hit. That said, um, I think it was uh, Chris Davis, Jack Peterson today, maybe who oh, Jack, got oh, his today. first yeah. hit of the season. Yeah. Um, on that home run, I believe. So yeah, which you know, is why he was like, super pumped up. Yeah, it's not like here is the only one who had got who's gone hitless at this point. Um, but the fact that he's yeah sitting on half strikeouts 
right now. His average exit velocity off the balls he has put in play um, is sitting just a shade under 85, which is not super great. Like if he was at least making some hard contact, you know, in these situations, I'd at least feel a little bit better. Um, he did have one. His max one has gone off at 100, so that's at least a little bit better. Um, I I don't know. You know, hopefully it's just some more work in the cage, some pep talks. You know, I don't know what's needed at this point. Whatever it is that Christian Yelich does with Haynes in their side sessions that always seems to cause him to bounce back in a big way, Hira needs a little bit of that magic right now, I think, because he's a huge part of, you know, what the Brewers are going to do. We've, we talked, and so many people have talked over the offseason about all these bounce backs that we need from all these different players, and it didn't need to be every single player, but a lot of them. But I feel like Hira was one of the main ones, and though he led the team in home runs last year, he still had a down season, a sophomore slump. And so he has a little bit of bouncing back that he needs to do this year. Um, but he's an important part of this team's future, um, not just this season, but going forward. And so, you know, he's going to need to turn it around. What it's going to take to do that, I don't know. Again, you know, it's it can't be like you just sit him all the time because you can't, you can't bounce back if you don't get at bats. So right. it's not like yeah. they're just going to pull him out of the lineup forever. Um, maybe drop him in the order so there's a little bit uh, less pressure on him. Um, I, I don't, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's it's a little rough to see, especially some of these swings and misses on just fat pitches in the middle yeah. of the zone. That's maybe that's the most alarming thing right now. Yeah, for sure. It has been ugly to watch some of these at bats. I mean, 88, 90 miles an hour, right down the middle. Like it's normally his wheelhouse. It's normally things that he crushes and he's not even fouling them off. He's no. swinging straight through them. Um, so it's, it's concerning, but it's not the worst over stretch we we've seen back in 2019. Chris Davis of the Orioles started off. zero for 54 to begin the season. Um, that, that was bad. So here is not quite there. He's only at 19, but yeah, it's, that's something that, that can get uh, really bad, can can last a while. But, yeah, it, it's just so weird seeing him not even foul off some of these pitches. He had a, a few better at-bats uh, on Wednesday here, but, you know, they still didn't look all that great um, or, or the results weren't there. Uh, he was seeing a few more pitches, and uh, we're talking to uh, – this one guy from uh, Prospects Live uh, on Twitter the other day, and he was also kind of uh, confused by, you know, why he's missing and, and trying to understand it. And, and it could just be approach. It could be he's guessing on what pitch is going to be coming and he's continually guessing wrong. You know, I think after, you know, this many at bats, at some point you'd guess and you'd guess correctly uh, mm-hmm. and hit the ball. So it, it seems kind of weird. You know, maybe he needs to go back to more of a C-ball, hit-ball approach, um, something like that, and just kind of react accordingly. Um, he does have a long and complicated leg kick. You know, has kind of a toe tap, then brings it back, then then lifts the leg up and, and plants it. Um, so he may need to simplify that. But that's kind of more of a, a big overhaul to make. Mm-hmm. And I, I think ideally you'd like to not make that in the beginning of the, in the of a season. Um, that, that's something you might like to work on in the off season and, and going forward. Uh, so you have a whole bunch of time to work on it, but yeah, it is, uh, it is tough to watch mentally, um, or what he's going through mentally. And it's just tough to watch at bats. And I think he just needs one to fall, like just to see mm-hmm. one go through a, a stoinker, a, a Texas league or a blooper, whatever you want to call it. He just needs to see one fall, one, one get yeah. through a, a ground ball with eyes, if you want to say that. Like, as soon as he gets one through, I think that's going to do a whole lot for him mentally and, and for him at the plate. Um, and that could kick off something big for him. But, yeah, to not have anything through 19 at-bats and 10 strikeouts, uh, that, that's just rough. Yeah, and you know what? If there's anyone who can potentially walk him through – a how to deal with a long hitless stretch it's manager Craig council back in that 2011 season. Um, there was, I remember that year, there was a long yeah. stretch that he went without a hit in the middle of that season. I actually just pulled it up. You want to take a guess at how many at bats 
um, Trade Council went before finally getting a hit. Wasn't it like 44 or something? Oh, he's 45. Oh, 45. Dang it. He was 0 for 45 uh, in a stretch that went from June 11th to August 5th. Yeah, well, he was mostly in a pinch hit role at that time. It, true, true. But he, I mean, he had starts in there at places actually towards the end of July. He had a few where they tried to get him rolling, and then finally gets his first hit there in August. You know, and you know, Council, you know, grinded his way through it, and you know, was still contributing to the team. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and shortly I'm sure afterwards, anyone, he's like, you know what, maybe I should retire. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> But if anyone can kind of speak to, you know, the mental toll that takes and how to deal with that on a day-to-day basis, you know, he's got his manager right there. So, you know, he'll work his way through it. He's young. We know he's a talented hitter. We've seen that he's a talented hitter. That's that's the best part of his game. So it's going to come back. But um, And and another guy who can uh, talk to him about that is Travis Shaw, his teammate. Yeah, Because Shaw went through a rough stretch from the beginning of April, and it led him on a downward spiral. Um, that destroyed his entire 2019 season. And, you know, he's now uh, bouncing back from that. He, he's he got a, a pretty solid start to the season here. He's got a double, uh, a home run. He had the, the two-run double there in the ninth inning on opening day. Oh, man, I was there. It was so beautiful to see, um, see Shaw come through. I was so excited for him and, you know, get him back into – the good graces, because I know a lot of fans were still kind of upset that Shaw was back, and it's like, oh, really? You know, he should have gone somewhere else. And, you know, then Shaw comes through big time there. Um, so it was so good to see for him. Uh, then he had the three-run homer the other day. He's got six RBIs on the season. Uh, Travis Shaw's bouncing back super well. And Omar Narvaez having a yeah. very strong bounce-back season. Seven for 15. Uh, here through the first six games, yes, two home runs, five RBIs, and a 297 OPS plus. That is 197% <laughs> above the league average. Um, very small sample size for that. But still, uh, that is a, a huge start to the season for Narvaez, for Shaw. Yelich is hitting well. Uh, he had a three-for-four day here against the Cubs. Uh, he hasn't quite seen the home run show up yet but i i've got a feeling that's coming soon so a couple of big bounce back seasons in the work uh, in the works for those three guys yeah i've been trying to tell anyone who'd listen that narvaez <laughs> is going to look much better this year than he did last year two of the guys that i was most excited to see as new brewers in 2020 were justin smoke and omar narvaez those were guys that you know i thought mm-hmm. they could have big years with the Brewers now smoke on that one. Ne- <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, no, neither of them were good last year. Now smoke, he had had, you know, kind of some struggles in recent years. He was more based off of potential. Narvaez had had solid offensive years and he just did nothing last year. But now two months ago, um, I threw an article out there. Um, that was about three reasons why Narvaez could have a bounce back season. Um, one of them was that he just had some bad luck last year. He had a very low uh, BABIP com- compared to his career average. And generally, when that happens, you will progress to the mean. Um, he struck out way more last year than he has for his career. Um, last year, he struck out 31% of the time when his career average was, career rate was below 20%. Um, now, surprisingly enough, so far in this very short start to the season, he's sitting right at 20. Um, but then also, um, I, you know, the fact that he should have some, my number three reason was he should have some power return. Um, he, even though he's not, you know, a hard, hard hitter, you know, he makes contact in a way where, you know, he built up some home runs over those, you know, last couple solid years with the Mariners. And, Lo and behold, we've now had some Narvaez bombs to start our season, now, yeah. haven't we? So putting that all together and the fact that he, you know, himself mentioned that he tried too much to swing for the fences last year when that's not really his game. His game is to be a contact hitter mm-hmm. and that's what he's gotten back to. And when you do that, when that's your game and you just play that game, the good things will come. You'll, you know, swing your way into some home runs or you'll swing your OPS up, you know, higher and just look at what's happened. He has looked solid. And now you take that with the fact that he has made strides defensively 
which we saw last year, and he's looking pretty decent again this year. He had a he had one uh, framed pitch today that I thought was really good because it was a decent ways outside, um, and he brought it not just right to that corner. Didn't do the you know over extravagant pull it way the heck you know to mm-hmm. the other side of the zone move. Just perfect framing. Um, you know stuff like that. You know he's if he keeps on the track that he's on, he is going to be a very valuable piece for the Brewers. But that one, I'll give my pat on, self a pat on the back for that one, <laughs> and I'll take it away for smoke to balance it out. There you go. Yeah. Speaking of catchers, uh, the Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras uh, mm. got himself a little bit heated uh, the other day. Um, so he got hit with a Devin Williams uh, pitch um, up near the head, um, bounced off his helmet. I uh, wasn't happy about that, which, you know, understandable. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the next day, Brad Boxberger comes in in the ninth inning and hits him on the arm. You know, wasn't trying to do it. But then Wilson just loses his mind, <laughs> starts yep. pointing his finger and, and yelling at Boxberger, yelling, that's twice now. And Boxberger had just gotten called up. Uh, he Like, he's just there for his Brewers debut. And he's like, bro, what, what are you yelling at me for? I, I just got here. <laughs> Uh, so it started this whole, uh, benches clearing. It didn't really escalate to a brawl. Everyone was trying to calm Contreras down. The, the Cubs were trying to calm him down. Travis Shaw was trying to calm him down. I saw Javi Baez run in be like, you know, trying to calm him down. Um, so, you know, it, it wasn't really anything at Boxberger or whatever. It's just kind of frustrated over being hit a lot, but at the same time, and in, in, in at bat earlier in that game, Contreras tried to lean into a pitch. It, it was a Brent Suter fastball. He stuck his arm out there trying to get hit by a pitch. And it's like, dude, if you're trying to get hit and then you get hit later in the game and you start getting mad at the pitcher, like you got to you got to calm down, man. Like, come on. Like the, you can't just be trying to get hit. And then when you get hit, storm the mound. Like the, it's just it's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like I understood the part about, you know, you get hit twice by, you know, low to mid 90s. Uh, yeah. Twice in two balls. games. It's like, OK, yeah. Right. But. Like, I understand that. But I thought it was real interesting when they showed that video of him leaning in. Um, that's a That makes that much more of a bad look when you're actively trying to get hit by a pitch. Um, yeah. He in the in the story that uh, Adam McKelvey and uh, Jordan Bastian, the uh, Cubs beat writer for MLB.com, kind of co-put together on that whole situation. It was mentioned that Contreras led the league last year in hit by pitches. Oh, go figure. So this is a guy who, you know, this is a common occurrence for him. So to act all surprised now again. Yeah, I get it. Both of both of them were up by your head. One actually hit you in the head. That's not cool like you don't you don't that doesn't i'm sure that doesn't feel good <laughs> no. but again when you're when you're actively you're going out of your way to try and get hit by pitches yeah it, it's hard to feel any sympathy for you if you're going to complain after that yeah. when it actually does happen yeah it, it's it's just a bad look and you know the brewers Brewers Cubs rivalry is uh, alive and well, despite Cubs fans trying to say it's not a rivalry. Um, but we all know what that it is. Um, so yeah, it, it was just really kind of uh, quite the escalation there from Contreras, and uh, it's gonna be very interesting to see how that ha- how that uh, gets handled going forward because these two teams are gonna play each other 16 more times this season, mm-hmm. including. Uh, three games at American Family Field next week. So uh, a lot still to be played. Um, and uh, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about this because last week we recorded before opening day and we were talking with uh, Jeff Levering, friend of the podcast, uh, about uh, what it would be like having fans back. And, you know, now we can actually talk about, you know, what, what was like being back. I was there on on opening day. And man, I'll tell you what, it was, it was incredible being back there. Um, I totally, uh, cried, uh, at some point, <laughs> but <laughs> Hey, it, it was well, well earned. All right. Like it's, if you can't, 
cry some tears of joy over the beauty of opening day, then something's wrong with you. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's me. (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah, it was just so great being back, being back around fans. Um, I was certainly um, the, the moment that it really kind of more sunk in was when we're like all standing up, it's about time for the national anthem, um, the game getting started and just kind of, you know, looking around and just kind of, you know, all the all the feelings and sounds and everything come back. And plus you had all the um, memorial things there because they mm-hmm. had uh, four memorials, one for uh, Mike Bell, the Twins bench coach, one for Audrey Keene, uh, the wife of Harvey Keene, and then uh, one for Don Sutton. And then, of course, Hank Aaron. Um, and then you follow that up with uh, um, the, the 12-year-old girl, Leah Mani, that oh sang gosh. the national anthem. She's, oh, my God, just an, an incredible voice. Like, I got chills there. I got chills. I'm crying. I'm, I'm at a baseball game. I'm like, this is, like, my sister's looking up at me. It's like, what are you, what are you crying for? <laughs> but <laughs> just so many emotions being back and. Oh my God, it, it was so good to be back there and to watch that game. Um, how how awesome it was in the in the Shaw double and the comeback and Hater popping a hundred. Oh man, it was just so amazing to be there. Yeah, I, I wish I could have been there. Um, I did not make my way down to the actual game. Um, I did, however, um, kind of step out and catch the game at one of my favorite socially distanced bars, um, which happened uh-huh. to be one of the bars that shuttles to the games. Um, and so it was, it was really just, it felt more normal to kind of see, you know, everyone kind of around with their brewers gear on, um, you know, hopping shuttles, walk into the game, kind of just, there was, there was a a buzz that we haven't seen for, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple of years here. Right. And then, you know, watching the game, um, was, even though it wasn't there, it was that same feeling of, you know, you go, you watch games with, you know, sometimes with your family or friends or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. one of the fun parts about watching game either in person or out somewhere like that is, you know, kind of chatting uh, with just the random strangers, you know, whether they're in the seats at uh, American family field or whether they're, you know, on a bar, a couple bar stools down from you. Um, And so that even just that was fun. And, um, during the first run that the Brewers scored, you know, got a, an unfortunate punch on the arm um, from the, the guy who was standing next to me. And I say unfortunate because I had just gotten my shot the day before. <laughs> and so it was, the arm was a little tender. And so I had to kind of you know, just hold that inside a little bit. But, you know, those, like that sort of you had your own tears with, there. I, I did have my own tears. Um, but <laughs> but to have that sort of like connection and camaraderie with people you've never even met before, like that's another part of, you know, baseball and sports and things like that that, you know, a lot of us love and that we haven't gotten to experience for two years now. Yeah. And so to have a lot, so much of that back, um, even that felt great. Even not being literally in that stadium felt so good. So it just, it just, it it was hopefully everything that, you know, everyone else hoped for as well. Yeah, it was, um, Really just incredible. And now the Brewers have announced that tailgating will finally be back. Um, So (laughs) I think they just wanted to keep it out for opening weekend because um, tailgating on opening weekend is a little bit different than tailgating during the regular season um, or the rest of the regular season. So, you know, maybe they just wanted to avoid it then. Um, But either way, we got tailgating now. You got to be in your own or with your own seating pod um and not really doing the big parties which you know it's fine but you know at least we're going to be able to to tailgate you know sit there you know grill some some brats some hot dogs some burgers and and drink some beers before the game and uh, they're opening up the parking lots a little bit earlier so that's really good to see mm-hmm. um and just kind of you know another further step towards back to normal um which is which is great to see and you know, now we're and we're back to normal of people complaining about hitting coaches, Craig Council, <laughs> umpires, players on the offense. Uh, everyone's complaining about all those things. So 
that's when you really know it's back to normal. Uh, Angel Hernandez had the worst called game behind home plate of the season the other day. So we're really back now. Yep. <laughs> so it is, uh, it is great to see. So I think that'll do it for this week's episode of the cold brew podcast. Uh, Matt, uh, any final thoughts, uh, final words here? Um, I'm just glad to have taken a series against the Cubs. That's a, that's yes. a good of a, closing as i can give you we took the series against the cubs and in another in wrigley and another cheers on national beer day for that cheers what do you say that. oh man yeah taking taking two out of three from the cubs uh it's hard to be upset about that i'm sure some fans will be but you know <laughs> uh, that's not uh what we're going to do here so uh, that's a good spot to end on um, for this week. Be sure to follow uh, each of us on Twitter. He is at mkematt13. I am at dgasper24. Uh, be sure to follow our podcast account at coldbrew underscore pod, and of course follow at reviewing the brew. Uh, a lot of fun stuff over there, uh, content wise. And um, if you enjoyed this episode or any previous episodes, um, be sure to leave a five star rating. Uh, it really help us out, and we can c- continue to get some uh, big guests here on the podcast, and hoping have some, hoping have some more uh, next week and going forward. So uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Cold Brew Podcast. Um, so for Matt Carroll, I'm Dave Gasper. We'll see you for another episode next week of the Cold Brew Podcast.